So, so what's your beef with what women? <laughs> I don't know if I'd say it's my beef personally, but in May, it was his 200th birthday. He's still alive. <laughs> no. Oh. But he got a lot of press because of that. So his works were revisited and, yeah. you know, there's just a new lens for everything now. Yes. And so. What do you do? Uh, he called black people baboons. Mm, and one tough. of his poems, you know, talked about assisting a slave auctioneer. Mm. It it's It's the whole conversation about. Revisiting. It's the time. It's the time he came from. But yeah. But I, I, I mean, maybe it's just because maybe this is just me. But like because he was gay. Yeah. I think he always sort of had a little bit of a shine on him. As like even people in the 1800s could be, you know. No, I don't know. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at you. I'm like, no, give it to me. What are you? <laughs> I don't mean to speak for you, but were you trying to say that because he was a gay man in the 1800s? That he, he he's above things such as saying racist things? Well, not that he was above it, but that because, like, he was a queer person, so I guess you would just sort of automatically assume that he wouldn't be racist because he would have a fundamental understanding of bigotry. Yes. But. <laughs> but, I mean, there is a Republican Party, uh, like the, what is it, the the... Gay Republic, like the... The Log Cabin. Is that what that's called? Yeah. yeah. So there is, like, that. Oh, totally. And, I mean, yeah, and HRC is tends to be more conservative than you might think a lot of the time. And yeah. No, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's one of those things that I didn't question that it was just sort of an assumption that I had had yeah. because it was like, oh, it's that gay guy who was a nurse in the Civil War, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, who that's... wrote poetry that I performed at whatever, yeah. you know? He, I mean, in my opinion, and not just my opinion, he's kind of like the first American voice, and um, it kind of makes sense that if I say that, that that voice would also be racist at times. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Mean, you know, but yeah, I mean, listen, we're going to keep doing it. Like we're going to keep revisiting things and we're not going to like what we see. Like, yeah. you know, there's, it's like the worms under a rock, you know, <laughs> we're just going to keep <laughs> doing it. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are a lot of controversial things and it, it was the time. Yes. And the time is different. Right. It doesn't make any of it all right. I just don't know how. I think there has to be some reconciliation with, like, when you read a book or a poem or whatever, you're having a dialogue with the author. So mm -hmm. as reader and author, you're having this dialogue. And your, your, your conversation back with the author is how you interpret the author. Okay. How do you reconcile that conversation you're having with the author? So basically it's up to the reader to reconcile any weirdness or awkwardness that he or she has with the author and that's just basically how do you do that i don't know that's everyone is different you can literally say i don't want to talk to this author anymore yeah or you could say let me find out more i want to know what's going on it all depends on the individual and the reader so however i would never tell anyone not to read or to move forward i would just say you know try your best and if you are uncomfortable you don't like what's going on put the book down or don't yeah. listen to a specific song or don't it's not about being a snowflake or soft. It's just about you're uncomfortable with what you're engaging with. Right. And it's okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah. But, and how is, what's your level of, like, how much can you handle in going forward? You know, people have levels, so, you know. Yeah. But I, it, mm. I just think, yeah, he just had, like, a certain amount of left-wing cred. He did. <laughs> as, no, as, he did. As a, yeah. You know. No, but, I mean, 
Like, and, and that's gone. And that's, I don't it, Yeah. Because he, he definitely, I mean, I, I don't know if I would have. I'd like to read the passage because I never read the, I don't, I, I never read it. Oh, yeah. Know? I mean, this was also the thing with Gandhi recently, right? Where like he had said some inappropriate things uh, about um, Ladies. Africans. Oh, them too. Um, I think people from African descent, he had said some awful things. But like, if you were to read, you know, if you were to read any like authors back then or even before they the language was terrible i don't know i I, as someone who you know used to be an academic in grad school it was like you you kind of have to read these things you know to move forward um as you know as someone who is just reading for the sake of reading you don't have to if you don't want to like you know just you know just that's it you're cool like there was i i think there was a roundtable discussion at the Brooklyn museum or, or somewhere where they were discussing this. And one of the women who was interviewed who, which I, I should have written down her name, but she, she kind of had like, you know, the, the Virginia Wolf, like a room of one's own thing. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if Shakespeare's sister had, yeah. had the same mm-hmm. uh, resources, would there be, you know, is the reason why we don't have right. women playwrights of that level yep. because they're not as good or because they don't have the same, they don't right. have the same playing field. Right. And so she was sort of applying the same thing here of, so like when you said that you view Whitman as, you know, sort of the first American voice like that, you know, she said, if she even said somebody like Malcolm X, which isn't the same time frame, but like if, if he had had the education that was readily available to a lot of white people, not all white right. people, but a lot, you know, in, in his time frame, like his education didn't really start until he went to prison. Right. And so if you, if you had people, if you had black people, American people in the 1800s who had any kind of education and it wasn't just, and it wasn't just that they didn't, they, they like didn't, were denied an education. They, you know, were denied being able to write and, you know, just literally being denied their language. And so, what the poem about, you know, sitting in the field and yeah. luxuriating. Oh, and yeah, all it's of a it. luxurious life. I mean, yeah. and like when I say the first American voice, I do mean in like fictional sense or poetry sense. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you read What to the Slave is the Fourth of July by Frederick Douglass, <laughs> I mean, that should have blow you away. Um, you know, there, there clearly are, uh, you know, American voices. But I mean, like in a fictional sense, there wasn't anything. Because if you read, who's a telltale guy? What's his name? Poe? Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe. It's kind of very derivative, derivative of like British style writing. Mm. It's not very like chip choppy and like kind of like, I don't know, there's like a nuance to Whitman aside from yeah. his Yeah, well, that's the, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, as far as like Whitman's verse structure, yeah. that wasn't being done much other yeah. places as, at least as far as i know you know right. that that wasn't part of definitely the european tradition right i mean i but i don't know about other parts of the world at that time frame yeah. if they because they don't get a whole lot i of mean attention. for every whitman there's always like 15 other people who didn't make it right who are probably yeah. just in that school of like writing that you that you're never going to hear about you know like with shakespeare there's marlowe right a lot of a million people say marlowe is better I don't really know the difference, but I mean, I know the difference, like, <laughs> you know, I think, but Shakespeare is more famous and I think I don't, there wasn't much from that came out of like Christopher, I think his name is Christopher Marlowe. Yeah. You know, so like I would imagine in Whitman's time, there were other people and probably people just didn't, that were not white. Well, yeah. Any, well, and even <laughs> and, if you, even if they were white, like what about Emily Dickinson, you know? <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now you are canceled. <laughs> no, it's it's funny. Um, it's like literature is funny because like 
I think I think of when they were doing the uh, I forgot the, during the Harlem Renaissance they were like wanting to showcase the black boys and how the structure of writing and even within that they didn't like uh, Zora Neale Hurston because right. of the way she wrote yeah because she was too folksy and whatever and it, and it wasn't until um, Alice Walker discovered like rediscovered her and like basically brought her back into existence mm. that we appreciate that language and like their eyes were watching god is one of the like it's, it's amazing gorgeous. book yeah and it's just like wow like you guys were hiding this treasure because you were afraid of how it made you look even though it it shows that you are not a monolith it shows that you are multi-dimensional and you know what i mean like, yeah it's, it's, well you know how we we forgot to mention cosby last episode cosby uh, but, but it kind of, you know, the whole thing where like Cosby would call up comics and tell them they needed to get their yeah. act together and not be dirty. Like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like a parallel like that. Yes. Like the, the front that we're presenting, like we need, we need to yeah. have everything be sort of sanitized and right. the best version of ourselves to conform to what white culture wants of us. Right. And I think, and I, I, I only mentioned that is because I think even in uh, an established groups such as the patriarchal white culture, there's that. There's what we need to present and how, you know what I mean? We're going to sh- kind of keep all our other stuff to the side. We need to, we need to, like, even that because has a... conformity is rewarded. Right. Yeah. You know, so to have something like Whitman, which is kind of different, was kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Um, which kind of is supposed to be the, well, the ideological idea of whatever of America, which is supposed to be different from the existence, right? But we just, like, it's supposed to be different from, we're a colonized, we were a colonized country that's supposed to be the rebels. Yeah. You know, that's the idea of it. That's what right. we're supposed to be. Yeah, we weren't, <laughs> like, we weren't terrorists. We were. Right. We, we no, were, I mean. We were fighting for our freedom. Right. You know, like, the whole idea, like, even even the structure of thinking, like, back then, where it's like, when we, when they came to this country, like, the, the indigenous people were, I, I, I don't know what the proper term, I know. No, that works. Indigenous yep, people in this country, works. they couldn't take the, the people straight on, so they would do these sneak attacks. Mm-hmm. And not for nothing, the rebels fought the same way against the British. The, you know, the yeah. sneak attacks and doing different things, kind of camouflaging, not wearing these bright red, you know. Right. Well, because that was the, that was the turn in what, the French and Indian War? Because the the French were allies with the Native Americans, mm-hmm. and so they weren't doing that British thing of like we will show up on the battlefield at yeah. the appointed time wearing bright red <laughs> coats, and we will exchange volleys of gunfire, and whoever has the superior gunfire right. is the winner. Instead, they they started doing that sort of underdog move that they learned from mm-hmm. the Native Americans, and that was you know that was how the French got got to keep Canada for a while there. Which is the same tactics that. Or we see today with terrorist attacks, you know, small yeah. attacks. You know, I'm not condoning any of it. I'm just saying small attacks well, because you can't take out a well, whole. Well, like the concept of fighting fair. Oh yeah, is not something that yeah. when you're opposing the dominant power structure that's in place, you're going to do whatever you feel like you can to hit them the hardest. I say that to say it's Fourth of July coming up. <laughs> hey. hey, did you? Did you ever read any Conrad? I had to read Heart of Darkness. So it's funny that you had mentioned um, the Virginia Woolf um, essay thing. Yeah. Because I had to read that for uh, my graduate school. Like we had like a list. Of, it was like a top 100 essays and short stories and books that we had to read for this grueling four-hour examination that we had to take yeah. prior to graduation. It was like four hours and four questions. <laughs> so good luck. 
That's two too many hours in questions. <laughs> two, four, four too many questions. Um, and I had to read that, and I skimmed through it. But um, how I really read it was just by watching Apocalypse Now, because that's the, oh. um, you know, that's like a, a version that's based on uh, Heart of Darkness. Yeah. So. Uh, I didn't, I didn't read Heart of Darkness. I had to read Lord Jim for AP Lit my oh. senior year, and it was just tortuous. What, what, was, what was terrible about it? I don't know. I can be kind of like a Philistine about literature that's not modern literature Mm -hmm. and it just bored me and was i can't i can barely i mean i a guy goes to africa and you know is the lord of africa uh (laughs) and i just i just couldn't with it i mean i had to i had to i don't know why my teacher was so obsessed with it i don't know if she thought like it sort of had more cachet because it wasn't heart of darkness Mm. so she's like like, let me be different yeah wow yeah but i actually i recently like (laughs) Actually read a synopsis of Heart of Darkness and yeah. was like, "Oh, that's that's interesting." It's I probably would not love Conrad's writing. No, it's not. It. It's not good. No, it's not good about it. It's just very. I don't. It's it's just very like boring. It is really boring, and it's very like. It goes back to me talking about reading as a dialogue as a conversation. I don't want to talk to that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so you know, like he's, he's just not someone who. It's just his language is not. You know, it's just not for me. Yeah. You know, and I would imagine you probably wouldn't enjoy it either. (laughs) (laughs) Not, yeah. No, I remember. I just, I don't, actually, I don't even know if I, like, I skimmed enough of Lord Jim to be able to take tests on it. Yeah. You should watch, have you seen Apocalypse Now? So, I haven't seen Apocalypse Now, but I watched a bunch of stuff about the making of it. Yeah. Did you see the documentary, like the official documentary, which is called 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 Heart Heart of Darkness? Darkness. Yeah, I I didn't see all of it. I saw parts of it. That shit is amazing because that that thing almost was never made. Like, yeah, (laughs) it's like this was like bankrupt. Well, do you do you like Apocalypse Now? Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. I thought we had talked about this, and I thought I'd watched it, but I had seen Full Metal Jacket when I was very young. It was not. It was not Heart of Darkness. This is my rifle. This is my gun. Yeah, I'm Vincent (laughs) D'Onofrio. It was so. It was interesting. So. Like, everybody everybody almost had a breakdown and died who was part of it. In Full Metal Jacket? No, in in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. There was, like, a lot of, like, shit going on. Yeah. Well, they Martin Sheen had a heart attack. Yeah. Did he? I, he did. It was in... So, the opening the opening scene, which is... It's him. It's, He's on drugs. Yeah. And he punches the thing. And he punches the thing, and he split his thumb open for real, and he kept going. Yeah. He was having... Problems with drinking and decided to get hammered uh-huh. and was like so drunk that naked they had to haul him around. And then that night he had a heart attack. Oh, okay. So that, that yeah. Like I don't staggered that. out into wow. the street and got a bus. And Francis Ford Coppola, they have this horrible recording of him talking about how mad he is that people let it slip outside of the production that Martin Sheen had the heart attack mm. because it's going to tank it. And so he's like, I don't. I don't, if, even if Marty dies, you tell me first. Like it was, it was this whole thing, but is, so what, what was it about Apocalypse Now that you? I don't know. I always like Vietnam movies. My dad was in Vietnam. So I always, always try to like see what, you know, I didn't have a relationship with him, but I try to see what he experienced. Yeah. Um, you never got to talk to him about it? Nah, you don't really like maybe once or twice, but nothing like concrete or, or, or in like, like not a deep, meaningful conversation. And also how do you yeah. talk to like a war vet who you pretty much know 
is, is, is fucked up in the head from, from it. it. Yeah. And you know, how was, did he, did he do multiple tours or I don't know. I don't really know. I know that, um, have you ever looked up his military records? No, I've looked up my dad's before. Yeah, you, you should do it. Okay. I will. Like it at least will give you time frames around yeah. like his, uh, when he went in and when he was discharged. Oh, okay. I and, didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Oh, I should do that. Yeah. Uh, I know he, he was injured. Uh, I know he has, you know, several medals and stuff like that. But, you know, just to try to get a sense. So, you know, I watched the movie. Also, I watched it in... I had a film class in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, we watched it and it was really interesting. I don't know. I don't know. It was just kind of like on the search for someone. He's like looking for Brando. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like going... It's, it was almost like a, a, a role-playing game. You're like, you have to go through all these different things to get to the final thing. And then you right. just like... I don't know. I thought it was so the So the plot of it is... They send these sort of shadowy, high military figures, send Martin Sheen in to assassinate this guy who's kind of gone off the rails and is like yeah. retreated into the jungle and has his own sort of paramilitary yeah, situation. Like getting too friendly with the locals, if you will. <laughs> right. And they didn't, if I remember right from the documentary, they, they didn't really have an ending for the movie. They didn't, they didn't know how to end it because in the book, Heart of Darkness, the ending is that uh, so it's instead of instead of it being a military situation, it's sort of like a someone affiliated with a merchant, like a Dutch trading. Like, like yeah, and he goes. Companies. There's the, the the Brando character is in st- Kurtz or Kurtz yeah. mm-hmm. is an ivory trader, right. and he's kind of been off the grid for a while, but he keeps sending back lots of ivory. So it's up for grabs whether or not his behavior is okay, but like there's more and more reports that he's right. he's doing nutty things. So in the book, they go and get him and bring him back. And he's he has some condition. I don't know what it was, uh, but he dies. Kurtz dies before he's sort of extradited um, back to England. And then Marlowe is visited by... Which it always makes me... It was funny. It made me think of... Um, Christmas Carol, because of Marlowe, uh, which is the friend, but because then he's visited by four different mm. uh, people who had, you know, different relationships with Kurtz, and he sort of gets a different story about each of right. them. And there's debate there, too, about, you know, whether that book, it was progressive for its time, but whether it's racist or not. Yeah. It's it's pretty racist. I mean, but within the framework, I, I mean, I... I read where they said that really the only person who comes off well is the narrator character right. because he stands back and just observes. But that's sort of the opposite of what, you know, we talk about now about, like, call it out. Right. I've been waiting for 30 years from now when the stuff that we write that we're, um, uh, what's his name, Tanahishi Coates, someone oh. 30 years is going to be like, that guy was racist. racist. You know what I mean? Or that guy said everything wrong. It's, it's with the times. Like, Jesus. I'm just thinking about there are cl- tons of stuff that we do today that is probably and will be and I probably know for sure problematic. It's going to be problematic. But I totally agree with what though you said about Whitman, as far as though what did I say about Whitman? the <laughs> this specific part that if you if you're not comfortable engaging with it because you know that part of it, then don't then don't engage with it. Oh, I I'd say that for everybody, not not just women. Like if if it makes you feel uncomfortable, like. You know, they're, like there are like there are like when on TV shows when they'll say it gives you um, this episode has um, sexual violence or whatever. Yeah. If someone was assaulted and ha- and feels a certain way and they can't handle these scenes, I I would hope that that preface to the episode mm-hmm. 
will give him enough time to say, maybe I can't handle this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because trauma is real. Yeah, yeah. That's why they put a trigger warning last season. We were talking about that poor guy whose dad oh, burned him. Yeah. So, yeah. Because I just want, I wanted people to know, but it's not, you know, Which, it's not a light and breezy episode this week, you know? Fucking crazy enough. Like, what, two months ago where the dad burned his daughter in a car? Oh, I didn't hear about that. In, like, Brooklyn? What? Yeah, fucking crazy. Um, t- topical. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the the Kurtz character, I, I think this idea of, which is also not a great fa- phrase, but, like, of, you know, of sort of going native. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, some of the discussion I've seen about it talked about how he felt like he was God. Yeah. And so the in the movie, Martin Sheen, he sent out to um to take Kurtz down, but the further the more it, the more it takes him to get to Kurtz, the more like Kurtz he becomes. Yeah. Which makes it harder to kill him when he gets there because right. he identifies with him. Yeah, I mean yeah, he starts to see that the mission isn't I mean, this is like almost every story where like if, uh I'm thinking of the what what movie was that? I think it's Rambo two. <laughs> I had not, I've not seen Rambo too. Where they send him down, like it's like a, like they just send him on a, like a mission. Basically, you know it's a whole fucked up shit. And like yeah, you know, like and, and if it takes you out too, so be it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it, it's kind of like that, and then you start to realize that hey, maybe maybe you know I'm I'm trying to cover some shit up for these guys or whatever. Like right, it like does, what's what are the competing agendas here? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there was there was a scene I saw an excerpt of where. On the on the way out into the jungle to get Kurtz, mm-hmm. there was a there was a boat of like Vietnamese civilians, yeah. and they had to they had to search the boat, and then they thought that they end up opening fire on them, yeah. and this woman was like hiding a puppy, but they yeah. they thought it was something else she was going for, and they gun her down, but she's still alive, and so they're going to take her out to get her treatment or something, and Martin Sheen's character just puts a bullet in her head. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's just sort of dispassionately like, we've got to go get Kurtz. Why are we faffing yeah. around with this? Duty. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so at that point, that's a war crime. <laughs> so. Yeah. So then, you know, you you get in with, I don't know. I'm not super entertained by Marlon Brando's. I know, I know he was a very, very old school method guy. But so, so with the, the production of the movie, it spun out. So. Coppola had all this cachet because of the Godfather films mm-hmm. and other films, but he really like put everything he had into this and then it went massively over budget yeah. and he was having to, you know, I think he was having to leverage his own, you know, property Pretty and stuff much, like yeah. that. Um, and he kept threatening to kill himself. Oh, and then apparently they were paying, they were paying Brando a million dollars a week mm-hmm. and he showed up to play this military commander weighing 350 pounds. Yeah. And then they get into it, and uh, Coppola finds out that Brando never read Heart of Darkness, and that's the whole thing the script is based off, and the script's not really written. So they halted production, like, 900 people, so that Coppola could, like, sit for a week with Brando, pay him a million dollars to read this book to him. I'll do that for a million. And then they were just, the whole, like, end of the, I guess, last half hour of the movie is almost all improvised. It's It's crazy that they had so much on the line, but then it... And then they took two years to edit it. He's at two years. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see Tropic Thunder? No, I wanted to, but that's that's uh, Robert Downey Jr. does blackface. Yeah. Is it fun? No, not the blackface, but is the whole thing funny? Oh, it's 
it's yeah, it's it's like a spoof on um the apocalypse now, like oh okay, yeah. Um, and it's written by um Justin Thoreau and um Ben Stiller. Oh, I did not know that. Like, I think they wrote it like at a night. What's the blackface <laughs> in it about? So Robert Downey Jr. is like a super method actor. So he's an Australian guy, and he knows he's gonna he gets the part of a black uh, military mm-hmm. <laughs> um, guy. So he gets pigmentation in his skin to take on the role. Oh, okay. So um, it's it's really funny because like in the um, during the movie, like he's he's like he, th- he thinks he's black, and he and it's another black character, and he's like got a case well, of the dolezals. Yes, <laughs> he's like. We and he's like, what the fuck you mean we or something like that? You know what I mean? Like he, he's like, like he's like, what? What are you talking about? I don't know. It's it's worth checking out. It's I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, but like it's just really stupid. It's one of those movies that's really stupid. Okay, but they'll like laugh your ass off, especially knowing what you know now about like the production <laughs> of like Apocalypse. Yeah, now. you're like, oh, this is freaking ridiculous. <laughs> oh man, I didn't really like. I I may have seen Platoon. On TV when I was a kid, but like I tended to go, like for military stuff, it was Mash that Mash? was my jam. I never liked Mash. I probably would like it now if I watched it. Yeah, I think it ruined me for dudes. Between Alan Alda in that, and then Captain Picard in Star Trek: The Next Generation, like I just thought, I just thought there were straight dudes out there that were going to do it for me. <laughs> Moving on. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I, I didn't like. I did like China Beach. You remember that, right? In the mirror of my mind. Yeah. With Dana Delaney. Yep. And uh, Mark Helgenberg. Yeah. Er? Or just Berg? I think it's Burger. Mmm. Cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> what did you like about China Beach? Dana Delaney. <laughs> yeah. Dana Delaney. Yeah, I always liked Dana. I thought she was. Because that was also a medical unit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess like a drama version, I guess, of MASH. Right. Um, Sexy. Yeah. And then they, it's just like, and also, you know, it was just like, it was weird. Because, yeah, they had like Marge Helgenberger or whatever her name is, was the Marg. prostitute. And yeah. She was a prostitute? I think she was a prostitute. I thought she was one of the nurses. That's so funny. I could be wrong. Maybe no, I, I could totally see that. Maybe I'm imagining things. Because she, she was sort of an outsider. Yeah. But why, huh. how would she get there as a prostitute, though? And that's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know. That's like a, a weird, like a USO thing? Student visa? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, student exchange program. Student exchange program. <laughs> go, to, go to Vietnam. <laughs> yes. Wait, but was, wait, was China Beach, what war was China Beach? Uh, Vietnam. Okay, because MASH was Korea. Yeah. In the, do you know, do you remember, were they stationed in Vietnam? I think so. Okay. I believe so. So it was like the China Sea or something? I don't know why they call it China Beach. Okay. I'd like to watch that again, too. That's going to be in the director's cut. Like, no. We couldn't pay Danny Delaney to read Heart of Darkness. Chuck <laughs> 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 paid her a million dollars. Do the director's cut. Oh, we just couldn't do it. <laughs> do you remember you asked me about MASH if there was only one girl in it, like it was the Smurfs? Yes. <laughs> well, I, I'm not wrong, though, right? There was only one girl. It's Hot Lips, right? Well, it was, I mean, Hot Lips was always there. Which, she was the head nurse. And, which explains a lot. What does it explain? Why her lips were hot. Oh, zing. <laughs> but there were, there were always other nurses. And, you know, some of them were sort of series regulars. Oh, okay. So they had other actors. Yeah, actors, like there was this one nurse actors. who was Hawaiian named Kelly. 
who was a little bit chubbers. And so I remember this episode about how, you know, everybody really liked her, but Alan Alda, you know, he ran out, ran after everybody yeah, like a dog and he didn't date her, but then he finally took her on a date and it was this thing, but then it was like, then never again. <laughs> like they never, so they had one, one nice sort of after school special episode oh, okay. about it and then they never addressed it again. Huh. Yeah. I wonder why. Well, I just moved on. We had a million episodes to do. They, Huh? That was on for a while. Yeah, that show was on for what, probably 10, 11 years? Jeez. And then, yeah, and then they had the, the big finale with the chicken that wasn't a chicken. KFC? <laughs> do you remember? Do you know about that? No, I don't. I don't know anything about that. It's uh, like the, the ending is that Hawkeye's in this um, military psychiatric hospital. And you don't really understand why. Like okay. it's it's out of out of context from the rest of right. the show. They keep trying. There's this one psychiatrist who's been on the show a bunch of times, but they keep trying to get him to tell what happened. And he was in this incident where they had, I think they had gone on a trip to the beach, mm. and then on the way back ended up um, having like North Koreans in between them mm. in the mash unit. Gotcha. And they had locals on the on the bus with them and this woman had this chicken Mm -hmm. and they needed to be completely silent while the patrol passed by and the chicken was squawking and Hawkeye told her to kill the chicken or he didn't tell her to kill the chicken. He said, he said, shut that. He said, shut it up. And so she killed it. And you know, like, that's it. Like, why are you holding me here? And he's like, well, you had this huge breakdown. I don't remember what behavior he had, but like he ended up in the hospital Mm -hmm. because he had some kind of, you know, like psychiatric break. And so eventually, when he tells the story, it's that it it wasn't a chicken; it was a baby. Oh. And when he told her to shut it up, she killed it. She smothered it by, you know, yeah. wow, yeah. And so Alan Alda has this huge, like, you know, Oscar worthy, if it were a movie, you know, like it was a baby. <laughs> this is this whole thing, and, and so everybody, like, the it was it was this huge moment of like. <laughs> No, it's totally. It's it's a little funny. Uh, like, so it, they had the biggest numbers. I think they had the biggest numbers ever. Yeah. You know, that turned in for this finale. And but people were like, that wasn't funny. Why wasn't the end of Mash funny? Because <laughs> yeah, it's mean, about war. You've built up however many years of comedy, and now you're going to give me this serious shit twist. <laughs> fuck off. I mean, they, they addressed a lot of stuff on that show that was, that was really political because it was Korea, but it was as a stand in for Vietnam. Yeah. It was a baby all along. I don't know. Yeah. Never liked mash. I have to watch it. I'll, I will watch it. I know it's on like everywhere. It's on Hulu now. Oh, okay. I'll start with episode one right now. I'll be back. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> what about, um, I'm thinking of other military stuff that was big when we were younger. Like, um, A Few Good Men. Did you like that? I did. I did like that movie. I, I, all right. So I used to work in a record shop and mm. for some odd reason, the manager would play movies or the audio of movies. Oh, weird. And we would play A Few Good Men every day. Can you repeat chunks of the, t- of the... I used to be able to. I finally started to, like, release some of it to make new memories. Um, <laughs> even though I haven't had any new memories. But, but yeah. And then I finally watched it. And I was like, oh, this is fucking great. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is a great movie. But then I didn't realize it was a play first. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Which makes a lot of sense the, that the they would be able to do it that way. Yeah. yeah. But it's got everybody. Because it doesn't have that many locations, you know? No, it doesn't. 
But it literally has like every actor you've ever seen. Like it has between like I think uh, Kiefer Sutherland and um, Donald Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon, Jack Nicholson, uh, Jack Nicholson Tom Cruise, um, Demi Moore, Cuba Gooding Jr. I think is in that. Movie. Yeah, he is. Um, well, so I mean, I I feel like a lot of people are familiar with it, but just in case, it's a it's sort of like a, a military trial after a soldier has died in a hazing incident. Yeah. What in, they call a code red. Yeah. Talk about what a code red is. Is it Kool-Aid? Is it when the Kool-Aid man slams through your wall? Oh, yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's when a platoon is enforced to police itself if a member of that platoon is not cutting it, if you will. Okay. So what, the, like the kid... Well, uh, PFC William T. Santiago was the kid <laughs> who was not cutting it. So like he wasn't keeping up on runs. Yeah. And he wasn't, he just was late and he wasn't in formation right. And I think he had asthma. And he, and he were they went, Marines? They were Marines. Okay. And, um. Because that jacks it up another level. Yeah. And they were on, they were on Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. Um, that's where they were. And, um, yeah, it was the, uh, it was the actor who played, uh. The Latino cop on that show on Channel 5, which means absolutely nothing right now. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so they beat, what did they do? So they, they stuffed a, they stuffed a rag in his mouth. Yes. And he couldn't breathe. So he died by. Be- uh, yeah. Because they didn't know he had, he had, a, yeah, yeah, he had a lung condition. Yeah. Um, or he had a blood clot in his lung or some shit like that. Right. Yeah. So then it wasn't so much in question. Like what the intention of the soldiers were, but what Tom Cruise as the lawyer was trying to prove was that Jack Nicholson as the commanding officer had Order. ordered the code right. red because those are definitely not legal. Right. Cause yeah. in military law. Cause clearly the, the two individuals did it. Right. But was it sanctioned? Right. 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 And so then that's where you get that, you know, yeah. ma- amazing, like uh Tom, cross. What is it? Uh, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah. Oh, Tom Cruise makes me want to die when he does that. But then the Jack, Jack Nicholson with you can't handle the truth. Yeah, he's like, he's like you. You want us up on that yeah, wall? Yeah, you too. You want me on that wall? You need me on that wall. Who's gonna? I forgot the. I used to know this uh, like verbatim, and now it's it's probably a good thing that I don't. But it's like yeah, you it's you want, and it's the same thing with you know incarceration. You want you you don't want to think about what happens. You don't want to think about how the sausage is made. Right. You know what I mean? Like. Or, but I, I liked, I liked it that that movie actually raised the question of whether it's necessary Mm. because when the, you know, like it's so sort of hackneyed at this point, the idea of if you see a service person to say, thank you for your service, no matter what, or, you know, like the, they're, they're fighting for our rights. They're over there so that we can be free here. Yeah. And when you really start to try to break down, like, what does that mean in practice? That's well, rough. <laughs> well, I mean... Like, do, do you have to have that guy on the wall? I don't know if you needed the guy on the wall in Cuba. I mean, you might need somewhere, him or her somewhere else. Um, I don't... I don't I, I, but then that seems like colonialism, too. Well, I don't want to... There is an importance for military. I, I think we might overspend on yeah. the military. I'm not saying to disband all military spending, but no. uh, I would say no, neither a, am I. A, a fraction of that, a large fraction of that, that money should be put into infrastructure and taking care of our uh, individuals here. But um, 
when well, you start talking like that, the rhetoric is you're 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 anti-American, a com, you're a commie. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I just wish we could be more above board about it. You know, just have more transparency of what? if we're going to be like how money is spent or how people are what we're doing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just that. I mean, if we're if we're if we're going to be the you know the military force, like let's let's just own it. I don't know. Maybe that's impractical, but I think I think that we uh, I think we on low key want to own it or tend to own it or tend to like show, in a chauvinistic yes like patriotism way puff our chest out and look at us. But I mean, at what cost, right? Yeah. Um, do you know who the? I think he's South African. The author uh, Koetsi. J.M., yeah. I might be saying his name wrong. Mm-mm. He has a book called Waiting for the Barbarians. Okay. And basically, it's like this fort, um, and I don't even, God, I can't remember. But basically, while anticipating an attack from the quote-unquote barbarians, internally, we become the barbarians. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, what happens to a society that's constantly on, like, thinking that they're always on alert and they have to protect these freedoms when internally we're falling apart, we're crumbling, we're, we're you know, you know whether it's education, taking the rights away from women for abortion or whatever you want to talk about. What the fuck is happening? We're not, like, what, what, what are we protecting? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a conversation that needs to have, be had, but I don't know if anyone's old enough to have that conversation. Clearly not our president. you know what i mean but that's i mean that that also feels like sort of a parallel in in heart of darkness the book anyway of you know the the whole story is framed as marlo is telling it to people he's on a boat with right and so then at the end of it you know it's the that's kind of the question is 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 the heart of darkness london or Mm. was it africa right yeah it's i don't know it's funny as far as military stuff because so my my dad was old, you know, uh, so he was in World War Two, right, wow. and so he was um, like I've talked about before. He was stationed in Bayonne. Mm-hmm. He never in Newfoundland at one point. I think he was trained in Newfoundland, but he so he never was actually in either the European or Asian theaters. The fronts, if they he was not on the front. <laughs> on yeah, the fronts of theaters. No. Right, that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like we would talk about his military experience, but it wasn't ever. He, he didn't kill anybody, as right. far as I know, you know? And so... That one guy down in Bayonne. That one, yeah, it's <laughs> the one guy. But my, I had a friend, though, in, in high school who... He was actually my... Um, in the choir that I was in, he was my processional partner. Mm-hmm. Like, when we would walk, we would walk in. And we were, we were pretty tight, but he, he was a wrestler in high school and was just crazy ripped. Right. Crazy, crazy ripped. But he kind of, like... I always felt like he didn't think, like, he didn't value anything about himself beyond his physical abilities. But I don't know. I also, you know, he may have just hated school, too. I'm not sure. But so, like, he ended up, he went into, he went into the Air Force? But he he ended up, like, uh, in, in the beginning when he was in basic, like, he kept... He kept getting in so much trouble because mm. he had the dude equivalent of resting bitch face where people would just be like, why are you looking at me like that? You know, right, your right. attitude is bullshit and all that. <laughs> so once he got that under control, he just shot up through the the ranks and he ended up being, are they called Rangers? He was sort of like the equivalent of a Navy SEAL but oh, in the, wait, in uh, the Air Ranger. Force. 
Army Ranger, okay. So I don't know if the Air Force they might have like an elite group. I don't know. Everyone has an elite maybe group. Maybe it was the army. I, you would think, right? It would make sense that everybody's got to have some. Yeah, kind of, I, I would imagine everyone has like an elite because I know that the army's the like Rangers ops team, and yeah, the, the navy's the seals. I don't know what the marines would be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not... But yeah, he he went over and he did multiple tours. But he um, every time he would he would get promoted, and he did kind of always have a certain amount of attitude. So like he wanted he wanted time off in between tours to go home and see his mom. I found out about this because I went home for Christmas during college and ran into mm-hmm. his mom in a bar and she told me, but he just, he was like, oh, I'm going to go see my mom. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Yeah, I'm going to go see my mom. So he did. Yeah. And so then like the, the MPs came knocking on her door in oh. Northern Michigan in the middle of the night one so night. Like, oh yeah, he did. So he, he got busted down twice. Like wow. every time he'd get promoted, he'd get knocked back down because there were just certain things of like, he was, he would always... As far as serving, he would do whatever right. he needed to and at this really high level. But then, you know, he was like, if you're not going to give me time off, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he, but for years, like, I thought he was, I lost touch with him and I thought he was still over there. So, like, all during the post 9-11 era, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if Ernie's alive. So that's what, whenever, like, whenever I watch military movies, like, right. he's sort of the face of it for mm-hmm. me of, like, that's... Those are the guys that we're sending over there. I don't know. There was a guy in my grade who was... Do you remember when... Um, do you remember when that Navy SEAL helicopter went down? Oh, the... Um, like 10, 10 years ago or um, so? Black Hawk Down? It wasn't Black Hawk Down. It was... I don't know if it was... Maybe it was a friendly fire situation, but there was like a, a, a big amount of SEALs got killed. Okay. That was one of the guys I graduated from high school oh, with. And wow. there, I still, you know, they always... People always who were better friends with him than I was because I really wasn't friends with him post stuff on Facebook about him. But mm. I don't know. Yeah. Do we need to be, do we need to be doing that? Doing what? I, Flying I am not, I am, I am not a pacifist and I'm not opposed to military power. Right. I just think, uh, like recently I saw this infographic of everywhere that we were in South America <laughs> Uh, both like in bases and where right. we've had military incursions and that, you know, as far as the immigration situation, like that is a problem largely of our making. Oh yeah. All being everywhere yeah. is a problem of our making. Um, I learned like the, pretty much like the history of all our problematic shit that we've caused and the results of it through playing Metal Gear, the video mm. game. Because it, it really it creates a timeline from like World War One all the way to like the present and even beyond. Yeah. Like going like to the future, like twenty maybe twenty or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if, if just from like you know the World War Two ends, the the how the Cold War begins, and how like different things and how we've like basically used other countries to bolster. I mean, and you know the the communist. The cold, other our opponents did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they use smaller countries to bolster their, you know, their army and their beliefs and their territories. I mean, right. it's really fucking terrible. <laughs> like, it's just a shell game. It really is because it absolutely means nothing. And it's always that great, um, that great. I, I know I've mentioned this where um, I think it was during the Cuban Missile Crisis where the Russian um, submarine lost contact with any radio contact and mm. it was up to that person on there that i think he was russian up to him to whether or not 
to fire, launch. Yeah. And he chose not to. Wow. And that basically like prevented fucking probably the end of the world. <laughs> like you yeah. know what I mean? Like just having that that resolve in humanity to say no is is actually kind of crazy. Yeah, because it really does come down to individual yeah. decisions and so I don't know. I wonder I you know, I wonder if that submarine made it. I probably died. I don't know. I didn't know about that. Oh, it's interesting. I have to find out. I have to look it up. Yeah. Born on the fourth of July? I think at that point I was still hot for Tom Cruise and I didn't know how to feel about him. I was pretty young. Yeah. So I didn't know how to feel about him in that. I de- and then once uh <laughs> once Forrest Gump came out, I was like, Lieutenant Dan wins as far as angry Vietnam vet. Yeah, he's ultra conservative. He is Gary, Gary Sinise. Yeah. But that but no, my favorite thing was like <laughs> When Lieutenant Dan, as a paraplegic, like is strapped to the mast, and there's this horrible storm happening, and he's just screaming at God, like, "Is that all you got?" I enjoyed that. I didn't finish that movie. No, I I had to turn it off. It's insulting on numerous levels. I'm not gonna do it right now, but I uh, once drunkenly was able to make Brian back down on the idea that that movie's worthless because it isn't. Oh, you are uh, you're you're a fan. I am a Forrest Gump apologist. No, I <laughs> there. I mean, there, yeah. I guess, I mean, fan is strong. I probably wouldn't watch it now, but I mean, there were things about it that were there were things about it that were good. Oh, because he was saying that it should never, ever, ever have won Best Picture. Oh, I mean, I don't get into that argument because I, I don't, I'm not like a awards kind of thing. Yeah. I, you know, it is funny to see what has won and be like, really? You know what I mean? Like, really? That, 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 that one? That's your best actor? That's your best actress? Yeah. Yeah. That movie like ruined Tom Hanks for me. Ruined Tom Hanks for you. It did. It just ruined him. Just soiled the Hanks. Your, your hanky. My Hanks is soiled. I he's a hard one for me because I can only see that it's Tom Hanks. Like somewhere somewhere around then I lost the ability to see him as a character at all. Uh, I see. It's just like oh. oh. Oh, come on. Alexa, always butting in. Or was it Siri? No, it was Alexa. Shit. Yeah, I don't know. Tom Hanks, I feel like I enjoyed him more when I was younger, but remember Joe versus the volcano? No, uh, I do remember that movie. I never saw it. I like uh, him in Booze and Buddies. Mm. I thought he was great as Alex B. Keaton's drunk uncle. Oh, I don't in remember Family that. Ties. Was he the? He was an alcoholic, I think. Oh, I did not know. Um, I did enjoy him in Big. Oh yeah, Heart and Soul. Money Pit was good. Yeah, I Turner mean, and Hooch. Turner and Hooch. You've got mail. No, I know you weren't going to. Actually, you weren't going to agree to that, but I also hated him in Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> Uh, he's been a lot of shit. He's good in Toy Story. Oh, uh, what is wrong with people who watch Polar Express? I've that is so it. disturbing. I think it's weird. Like the an- the animation's weird, right? Yeah, because they take the animation and they make it look like the real person. Yeah, but it's like it's like when but, they first started doing it, they they don't have a full on grasp of it yet. It's very like Uncanny Valley. Yeah, yeah. Because they did that for what movie was that? I think Alita. I think has the woman's face and looks pretty good if i'm not mistaken i could be looks wrong. pretty good it looks pretty good what are you so, gonna do for the fourth i am going to do nothing i don't really know 
Um, I'm sure there'll be some fireworks somewhere. Um, oh, yeah. You I'm, guys can see them from your roof a little bit. Yeah, sometimes it's like, yeah, if we stay here mm-hmm. uh, in Queens, uh, we'll just look at, like, the random people who buy. There's a lot of, like, firework purchases yeah. around here. Uh, and if we go upstairs, we'll just watch them from the hill. That was so funny to me when I moved here that people do that. Yeah. That they just shoot off fireworks right in your on your block. I'm like semi-professional. Like, <laughs> you know, like not like, you know, like a firecracker. Like some real, like someone, probably like $20 for the, the thing. It was like in Michigan when I was a kid at least. you could. I don't know if the law changed, but you could get sparklers. But you had to drive across the Ohio border, which was like 10 hours from where yeah. I'm from, to uh, to get... Fireworks, fireworks. I mean, when I was a kid, we used to have firecrackers, jumping jacks, and whistlers, and M80s, which, and blockbusters, which the blockbusters, like, what they would call a quarter stick of dynamite. <laughs> um, and some of the games we would play as kids was, like, throw firecrackers at people. Like, have, like, firecracker wars. And sometimes, like, some of the guys who were, like, really terrible would throw M80s, and M80s are pretty, you know, bad. Uh, and you would just run, but, uh, but God forbid he got caught in your... You're anything. You're anything, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, sometimes the whistlers, you know what whistlers are? No. They're the ones that, they're like, they're also called bottle rockets. Okay. Uh, you, they have a long, like a stick, like a, almost like a spaghetti. Mm. And then it have like this little fire thing and then they would. Oh, the spaghetti is the fuse. No, the spaghetti is like this, the guiding, like the stick. Cause they would fly in the air and whistle. Oh, and go, and go, okay. Bah. So now, sometimes you would just hold it. And then fire and point it at somebody. <laughs> they had that. Uh, and then they had the jumping jacks, which were the ones that would you'd light. And they'd spin and they, they'd go colored. Those were cool. And then you could throw them at people if you want. A lot of it was just throwing firecrackers and fire at people. At people. Yeah. Yeah. That's good times. Old memories. Old, old, old memories. memories. So... That concludes this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Come see us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can email us at brokencorners at gmail.com. And if you really enjoy us, you could become a Patreon yes. member. And thank you to our current Patreon members. And happy 4th. Be safe. Enjoy. And don't throw firecrackers at people. No. Be a safe. Not good. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.